0: Welcome to episode 102 of the Put a Ring on a Podcast. I am Danielle. And I'm
1: Dan, the man, Moyer.
0: Dan, what are we talking about today?
1: Today, we get to have a very special fun show that is us answering questions from our ringer club and our ringer community uh, that everybody has sent in, and it's a fabulous, fantastic episode.
0: Yeah. If we do say so ourselves.
1: Yeah. We already said this uh, that you'll hear in a little bit, but it feels so tangible that we're speaking right to you and we're here to help. And that's what we feel like we're being super helpful in this one. Speaking of super helpful, so many of our Ringer Club members are joining our Patreon and allowing us to really come alongside them, right? Like this process of having a wedding is madness sometimes and sometimes you just need that little person in the back of your pocket to bounce ideas off of like a trusted advisor and that's us we're like the little
0: sidekicks yeah yes check out patreon.com slash p-a-r-o-i we can't wait to have you in there and let's get on to the show
1: planning a wedding is hard work am i right but you are not alone
0: Welcome to the put a ring on It podcast. I'm Danielle Pasternak, wedding planner of DP Knack events.
1: I'm Dan Moyer, wedding photographer of Daniel Moyer photography.
0: Together. We are two wedding pros with a fork ton of experience, sharing our best tips and tricks
1: and downright sensible advice for a wedding. That feels good to you plain and simple. We got your back.
0: Hey, Dan, are you ready? Let's do this. Dan, what is up?
1: What up, what up, what up? We're officially geriatric.
0: (laughs) Geriatric. (laughs) 102. (laughs) 102. Do you know I had a great grandmother who lived to be 103? Wow. Not to brag. That sounded a little braggy. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to sound all braggy.
1: That's good, though. I mean, that's good genes. Actually, I think there's something that we can learn from people who reach that age. Did you know there's a bunch of research on the areas of the world at which per capita people live to 100? Average is like one, like every 100,000 in blue zones. It's like one in every 1000 people live to over 100.
0: Whoa, do we live in a blue zone? No, didn't think so.
1: Yeah, it's like um, Okinawa, Japan, Sardinia, Italy, Loma Linda, California, the Seventh-day Adventist people there, and a couple more.
0: Huh. I'm shocked Philadelphia, Pennsylvania is not included (laughs) in that esteemed list you just shared. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this episode is always one of my personal favorites, and I probably actually say that every Q&A episode we do, but really... I love doing these episodes because we take the questions that y'all send in to us and then we just answer them. And on the whole, some of these questions are not full episode worthy, not worthy, but like it's tough to turn it into a full episode, but we still want to share the questions and share the answers in case it helps other people. So I love that we're doing our mid-season nine Q&A episode today.
1: Yeah, especially because it just feels like we're interacting with our people more. And I think over the last year or two, especially through the pandemic and after my kind of paternity leave... We have been finding more ways to interact with y'all out there through our stories on Instagram, through our Patreon and having our ringer community come around us there and ask us questions and feel like we're putting out the podcast, but we're also helping individual ringers directly. So that's why I love the Q&A is that it feels like we're speaking right to you and solving problems that you're literally working on right now.
0: Yeah. And right now on our Instagram, every Monday, Dan is putting up a question box in our stories that's like, Hey, send us your questions. And what we've been doing is picking one of our favorites that we're able to answer in like a minute or two and sharing it for our hashtag wedding tip Wednesday series. So, what we thought would be fun would be to take those questions that we couldn't answer in just a quick minute or two, or just couldn't get to everybody's answer. And we pulled some more of our favorites that were absolutely answer worthy and here we are.
1: Yeah. So let's jump right in because we've got about nine, 10 questions here. So this first question is from Tia. They ask, is your wedding planner included within your budget? This question is obviously for me, but I figured I'd let you answer this one.
0: Ladies first. I appreciate your chivalry. (laughs) Your bull chivalry. (laughs) Good question for sure. When you're composing your budget and you're deciding what you want to include in your wedding day, that means you also get to decide what is included within your budget. On the whole, I would say that your wedding planner would probably be a line item in your wedding budget. But if someone else is paying for it completely, then you don't necessarily have to include it. But this just comes down to kind of math. Dan's making a face at me. I usually promise him that we don't have to do math in these episodes, but it does come down to math.
1: (laughs) As soon as you say math, I'm just like, what?
0: <laughs> it's like that jiffy that has all of those like numbers flying all over the place.
1: Mm. Yeah, with Zach Galifianakis.
0: Yeah, exactly. But yeah, you get to choose what is and isn't included in your budget. I have couples that include everything from the engagement ring through the honeymoon and the honeymoon activities to ones that just say, you know, we're just going to include the big things and the other things aren't going to be included in there. That budget is really up to you as far as what you do and don't want to track, but you get to make the rules.
1: Agreed. And if you're saying, you know what, we just want this all encompassing budget. And you're wondering if a wedding planner should be in your budget, it should be. And I feel like I'm better suited saying that because you're a wedding planner and I'm not biased, but from both sides of the aisle, both sides of the aisle. That was pretty funny. I've seen it from the groom side and how weddings go from the photographer preparedness side. So if it's not in your budget, make it in your budget.
0: Yeah, there you go. Okay. This next question comes from Kirsten who asks, what do you do when a vendor doesn't live up to your expectations?
1: Ooh, this is an interesting one, because you just really hope that everybody's out there, they're running a trustworthy business, that kind of thing. But sometimes some bad things happen. So I kind of think of this in three different ways. One is my brain automatically goes to the fact that this is a normal person. And let's say for communication sense that they're falling off the face of the earth, they're not communicating with you. I automatically think that they're a normal person, that something is going on in their lives. So hopefully it's nothing crazy, right? Like, first of all, remember that your wedding planner, your photographer, all these people are normal people. And sometimes bad things happen. Generally speaking, though, I'm sure you're the same way, Danielle, that when something came into my life, or when I had to step away from my business for a period of time, I put up autoresponders, I let all my clients know that kind of thing. So I think this is kind of like I said, three different levels. Level one is you reach out to them and ask them a very Simple basic question if we're talking about lack of communication here, maybe this is what you're talking about not living up to their standards. Reach out, ask them a very simple question Hey, is there anything that you need from us right now? It's a softball lob for them to lob it out of the park and say, Hey, we don't need anything from you. You're good. Sorry, I've been MIA for a little while and they have this open opportunity to say something. Second level is you got to put the onus on them a little bit, and you also follow up with a phone call. Hey, we haven't heard from you in a little while. We're just making sure everything's okay, and we're still on for our wedding, right? That's a pretty big red flag. If you're concerned about whether or not this person is going to be available for your wedding, that should automatically be a red flag to that vendor that they need to step up because they're not fulfilling their side of this. Obviously, a phone call in level two as well. Level three is where you have to consult your planner, maybe consult a lawyer, check your contract, and start considering what the road forward looks like with this vendor.
0: Dan, I echo all that you said, and I want to emphasize the check your contract part. I think a lot of times as a couple, when you're going through the process and you're in the newly engaged phase, you have on these like lovely goggles that when you're signing contracts or you're doing all that, sometimes you don't read all the fine print or you don't ask all the questions right away, which is okay. You're human and that's allowed. But when I read this question and say, okay, what do you do when a vendor doesn't live up to your expectations? Take a pause for a second. And go back and make sure that your expectations are aligned with what they promised to deliver. Cause that's kind of a good starting point to say, Oh, maybe there's just miscommunication at play, or maybe they really are dropping the ball, or maybe I didn't totally understand what was involved in the first place. But like Dan said, you're all human in this scenario. So starting with some sort of conversation or opening up that channel to have that conversation from a place of, hey, can you help me better understand whatever it is thing that you have going on? That's a really good place to lead from if you haven't yet already.
1: Yeah, there's a bunch of different ways we can approach this, right? Are they not living up to the expectations prior to the wedding? Is it lack of communication? Uh, is something happened on the wedding day? Is it after the wedding? Like I wasn't even thinking about it when we first started answering this question, but what happens if you get your pictures back and something is missing, or all the family formals are gone or something. But there's lots of different ways to approach this. But I think through it all, it's definitely communication. And you're both humans treat each other with respect and dignity until it gets to that point where you realize trust is not there anymore.
0: Yeah, that was really well said. I like that.
1: So on to the next one. This one comes from court. What is the most important thing to book after the venue photographer and church or ceremony space?
0: This is a good question because, A, I just realized I'm probably going to say this is a good question after every single one of these questions because <laughs> I picked the questions. They're all good questions. All right. When you have all of your vendors, like depending on what type of wedding you want to have, where your wedding's taking place and what you do and don't want to include as part of your wedding, there's different tiers of vendors and not tiers as in order of importance, but just tiers in order of how they work with you throughout the process, as well as on the wedding day. There are some vendors like your venue photographer and church that once you book them for that date on the whole, they can't book another couple on that same date, or let's hope they don't book another couple on that same date. Other vendors that fall into that category are like your DJ or your band, your planner, your caterer people like that, that you want to make sure are secured for your date. That's really what you're going for is that calendar real estate of making sure that your date is secured with them. Then you have your other tier vendors like bakers, stationary artists, calligraphers, transportation companies, where they're able to service more couples than just you in most cases on that day. Those are the ones that you want to book after you go after those big picture vendors, which like I always look at it as photography, videography, your planner, Your venues, your caterer, your entertainment and your officiant, if that's not part of your in this case, it would be here with her church. So those are the big ones. And then you can kind of work your way down from there, but also factor in what's important to you. If flowers are really, really important, then they should be higher up on your priority list in terms of booking them.
1: Yeah, that actually is a really good question. Because I feel like we do spend a lot of time talking about like those big three, right? Planner, venues, photographer, you know, I feel like there's so much time spent on those first three. And then it's like, all right, what happens the next six months after that? So super good question.
0: So actually, before we move on to the next question, if you go back to episode 63, Called How to Build Your Team of Wedding Vendors. We actually kind of get into this a little bit more as far as like the hierarchy of who you want to book and when. I'll put a link to that in the show notes so that y'all have it, but definitely a good episode to go back to if you're interested. Moving on to the next question. This question comes from Lydia, who asked, What are some good gift ideas for wedding day gifts for the groom? And Dan, I'm very curious to hear what you have to say about this one. What do boys want?
1: What do boys want? Well, first, before I answer this question, there's a meme that went around, I think, a little bit ago where this woman walks in and asks her boyfriend, like, what's the guy equivalent of flowers? You know how guys get girls flowers? What's the guy's equivalent of flowers? And he goes, can I just get flowers too? I like flowers. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that this is going to be hyper personal. The one thing I would say is to make it transcend the wedding. Yes, something that's really great to wear on the wedding day, maybe a good tie, cufflinks, or something like that. But there are other cool things that some guys might not buy for themselves. A lot of guys have to shave and there's like these really fancy shaving kits out there that are like a single razor blade and they have fancy soaps and all that kind of stuff that comes with them. Like my wife spent a very long time making It's like a pattern that you put on like the wooden hoop and you like stitch like a picture through it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Cross stitch? Is that what it's called? Yeah, cross stitch. She made us this really sweet husband and wife thing and said to Dan on her wedding day or whatever, so I'm hyper sentimental. And I love that, right? Like I have all these things from my mom. I have all these things from my Grammy. So that made a lot of sense for her to get that for me, right? And it's something that obviously reminds us of the wedding day, and transcends the wedding day, and allows me to go right back there. I've seen some other really great things, like a weekend bag. It was all leather. Had like the groom's monogram initials on it. I've seen watches. I've seen flasks. I've seen like full bar kits because the groom's like really interested in trying to learn how to be a bartender because he likes to. So don't be afraid to splurge a little bit, splurge a little bit, get something that maybe he's not going to get for himself, but something that they can use. It's kind of a broad thing, but I feel like it's so specialized to what a lot of guys are into and
0: all about. Look at his Amazon shopping history, <laughs> right? Like, start there. Oh, my goodness. What a dangerous place to dive into on mine. Good Lord. Also, it's okay to think outside the box a little bit of that from like a material thing. Also think maybe experience stuff. Is there something that you can do for him and his groomsmen on the wedding day or before the wedding day or on your honeymoon? Things like that are also really good because sometimes you just have a person in your life that has everything because whatever they want, they buy for themselves and what a lovely way to be. But that also sometimes makes them really tough people to buy presents for. You gave some really good ideas though. I like that. Okay. This next question comes from Brittany. Brittany asked, any recommendations on how to include a 14-year-old niece and a 12-year-old nephew in the wedding?
1: Okay. Danielle, go for it.
0: We're at that preteen, teen teen age. I don't know if you know this. So my sister is much older than me. We have a little bit of a gap between us. So when I was 13, she got married and I got to be her maid of honor. And as a 13-year-old in the wedding, it was weird for me Granted, this was the 90s, so like pre-everything that I am now, and also the 90s where weddings were like just a whole different landscape to what they are today. But it did show me a really interesting point of view as to what it feels like to be a youth, if you will, but like aware of everything that's going on. But when you're around like a big party is basically what it is. So for me, what I learned from that experience is you want to make sure that they're in like a safe space with everybody. Like don't put the young kids with all the like rowdy 20 something drunk groomsmen. <laughs> or do. This is where you know them best, but keep in mind what their comfort level might be because 14 and 12, especially 12 to me still feels like young enough that you're still figuring out who you even are. I mean, let's face it, really until you're in your 30s or 40s, I think we're all still figuring out who we are. But 12 is still a really tough age where you're like still kind of a kid, but then you're like going into this preteen phase. So keep all of that in mind. But we did do an entire episode on this episode 83 called involving kids in your wedding day, where we talk about all the different ways you can include them from wedding party to handing out programs or being your MCs for the night. No, that would be a very strong thing. But I don't know, like let them curate a cocktail hour list for you. I don't know.
1: I was actually going to say the same exact stuff, right? Like so many 12 and 14 year olds are in this really interesting space and number one, asking them to be a part. I think they're going to be excited about it. Maybe you could just continue to nurture that experience by including them in all the things. I'm thinking immediately of them being part of your wedding party. Maybe it's a junior bridesmaid or junior groomsman or something, and they don't have to come to the bachelor or bachelorette party things with you, but... You could have another mini one. Like, I didn't go to that full on bachelor party with my brother in law because I was too young. And I'm glad I didn't because apparently some crazy stuff went down. (laughs) Anyway, I was 16. They were all early 20s. You can imagine what happened. They were all at Penn State, but I was included in a whole bunch of other things. And I felt like really excited. Like, my brother in law and I had this like handshake that we came up with and things that early 20-year-olds are going to be excited about are way different than a 12 and 14-year-old is what I'm trying to say. So still making that as special and including them and in as much as possible past just asking them to be a part of it, I think will go just a long way. Regardless of what you actually do, just including them in certain things is a big gift in and of itself. So don't overthink it.
0: Yeah. I think there's a little bit of a responsibility at play if the parent of that teenager or 12 and 14-year-old isn't in the wedding party too. Thinking back to when I was in my sister's wedding, again, I was 13. And every single person in that wedding party was trying to get me to drink alcohol in the limo and do all this stuff. And A, I didn't even really feel great drinking alcohol when I was 21, let alone 13. Like I was not that child any stretch. And my sister really stood up for me in the limo and was like, yo, back off. She's like, she's a good kid. Leave her alone. She's going to do what she wants. Like She didn't make me feel like a kid, but she protected me in that situation that I felt like, okay, my sister has my back. Granted, everybody's relationship and all that is different. But I do think that because I didn't have a parent in the limo, I was just in there with the rest of the wedding party. It did feel really good for me to have somebody that I knew was like, okay, they're still making sure I'm good because it's a really weird and tough age because of peer pressure and all that stuff.
1: Yeah, that's actually a really good point is to maybe have a conversation with some of your older wedding party members and say, hey, listen, obviously this person is going to be here. They're going to be part of the wedding with us. Because when I was in my cousin's wedding, it was a very similar thing, Like I think I was actually 12. Now I think about it. I was a very impressionable young guy. And there's, you know, my older cousins and all his cool friends It's very easy to feel uncomfortable and feel like if they're laughing at you or if you're not going to do something, that's a very weird situation for a young kid to be in. So definitely have that conversation with some of your wedding party members if some of them are known for being a little rowdy.
0: Yeah, exactly. And they can still do what they're going to do, but like, don't invite the kid into that. That's how I feel. Like You do you, but don't make anybody else feel weird about not wanting to do you.
1: The next one, I feel like it's probably a good one for me to do, but I'm going to go ahead and give this one to you. So Aaron says, how do you not spend a ton of money on wedding hair pieces? I mean, for real, we went over budget on the dress and need to save.
0: Dan, are you sure you don't want to answer this question? Just with all that hair on top of your head.
1: It's too easy. I know you're going to be way more eloquent about this one than I am. So I'll let you have it. Go for it.
0: Oh, my goodness. Aaron, first of all, congratulations on the dress. I'm sorry you went over budget, but it sounds like it was the right dress and you made a decision and you feel really good about it. So now you're adjusting your budget to align with your priorities and A plus gold star sticker for you. When it comes to hair pieces, you could really do anything you want, including not doing anything at all in your hair. Overall, there's like a million personal choices at play as well as like what style of hair you have, but you don't have to do the like super long oh, Maria from Sound of Music veil that's like halfway down the aisle and all this long, beautiful thing, because that can be really expensive. You can do something shorter. You can do just like a little clip. You can do fresh flowers. You can do all kinds of things. I think if you're looking to get some good ideas, I would highly recommend checking out Etsy, E-T-S-Y. I'm pretty sure everybody knows that site, but I'll put a link to it in the show notes just in case. If you search on Etsy for wedding hairpieces, you're not only going to get a lot of different options, but you're going to get a lot of different ideas that you can then kind of say, oh, we might like to do this, or I might want to do that and kind of go from there. Overall, I don't think you need to spend a ton in this area to still have like a really cute little impact, like a fun little hair moment. And yeah, you don't have to do a veil.
1: I've not seen a birdcage veil in a very long time. Are those around anymore? Have you seen one in a while?
0: Well, I'm sure people have worn them. They hit a specific trend back in like, what, 2013 or so. I would have always thought I was going to wear a birdcage veil if and when I (laughs) get around to planning my wedding. I just think they're beautiful and so attractive. But I think they were a big trend a few years back. Honestly, I am all for wearing what makes sense to you. I actually had one bride once who ended up with a we called it a Juliet. Cap, basically. It was like a Juliet veil, but she made it herself just with using fabric and like an old necklace. And it honestly looked gorgeous, but she was by nature really crafty and was good with that stuff. So you want to go with your comfort level.
1: Yeah. My bride from this past weekend didn't have anything and her hair wasn't up at all. She loves wearing her hair down. She had it curled and all that kind of stuff and set, but it was down with nothing in it. She did have a veil, but that came out shortly after the ceremony. The next one I feel like is going to be another good one for you. Lauren asks, Am I supposed to help plan the bridal shower or do I plan it completely?
0: And I think we're assuming Lauren is the bride based off of the way this question is worded. So overall, the bridal shower is traditionally planned by either the maid of honor or the group of bridesmaids or the bride's VIPs. Sometimes the bride's mom or parent figures are involved in planning the bridal shower because the bridal shower is designed around gifting to the bride and her partner it's not necessarily considered on the up and up for the bride to host the shower herself. That said, I'm kind of the camp that if you want to have a shower, by all means have a shower. I just think you want to watch how you word it, but the bride is not expected to have a shower. I would say like, if you want to say like, Hey, let's get all of our family together for this lovely luncheon. Maybe just don't call it a shower and kind of go from there. But if the idea is around Getting gifts for yourself and your partner to be, then usually somebody else is going to be involved on the planning front. However, if you would like to have some input or you say, hey, I'd like to make sure we include these people, or can we do a theme that involves this? You want to watch how much input you give, but I do think some input is allowed and acceptable when it comes to talking with the person that's going to be planning the bridal shower.
1: We need to get some guys in here. Where the heck are the guys asking these questions? Let's go, gentlemen.
0: We need to talk about more like dude stuff.
1: What kind of things are dude things, Danielle?
0: I don't know. We talk about all kinds of things. We do. So I don't know. Okay, continuing. Next question. Joanne asked, we're considering saving money with no DJ and just using a Spotify playlist. In your experience, have you seen this work out well? So
1: yes, I have seen it work out well for a very specific kind of wedding that was backyard super simple very casual it wasn't a long affair and it was a small thing i have seen it not work out so great where the couple played music that they really liked that was not dance music that was not even slow dance music And everybody was just kind of like, what's happening here? And was waiting for dance music and lively, current, modern music for people to dance to and even slow dance to. And a groomsman actually took over the wedding and just started playing, I don't know, dance music that people would normally dance to. And it literally changed the wedding and turned it around. But there was nobody at that because they were trying to save money and they had a Spotify playlist. So I think the point of that is if things don't go right, you need somebody who's going to help guide the energy of the event like i've seen djs have a dance floor packed throw a song on and people start to leave and they seamlessly transition out of that song to keep the energy level high and that's one of the greatest parts about a dj is that they read the room and play music that will hopefully get people to stay on the dance floor because they have this library of songs in their head that they can move one into the other and keep the vibe flowing as they see what's working and what's not
0: yeah. A good DJ is doing so, so much more than just playing songs. They are reading the room. Like you said, they're feeling the energy. They're knowing when to let the energy lift, knowing when to like calm it down a little bit with some slow songs. That is all part of the service that a good DJ is going to offer. Granted, There are not so good ones, but we're not talking about them. On the whole, the way I look at this is if dancing is going to be your main form of entertainment, then a Spotify playlist is most often not the best way to go. If something else is going to be your main form of entertainment, maybe you have board games out that everyone's just going to play games all night then yeah, a Spotify playlist might work well because that's just going to be on as secondary background music that people might get up and dance, but it's not the main thing driving that pillar of entertainment. So that to me is like the simplest way I could unpack this, but everything Dan said is 100% true. That is, I think, a very common question and certainly understandable because I love Spotify. I listen to Spotify all day long. But I don't rely on it to entertain my group of 100, 150, 200, 400 to make sure that they are having a really great night for one, two, three hours worth of dancing.
1: Really good question. And good answer, Daniel.
0: Thanks. Likewise, Dan.
1: You're so smart. How do you know all this stuff?
0: I don't know. It's my first wedding. <laughs>
1: it's my first wedding. <laughs> I just started doing this.
0: I miss saying that, Dan, I think you sometimes will do this too. You and I combined, we have over 20 years of experience doing what we do now. But it's really fun sometimes when we're at the rehearsal or something like that. And the bridesmaid was just looking at me and I'm going, I'm really excited. It's my first wedding. (laughs) (laughs) And you just see their face. You're like, no, 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 I'm just kidding. But like they get so like, oh, oh, okay.
1: (laughs) One of my favorite things I've ever done is I had a really great father of the bride come up to me. And I know he was paying all the bills and all that kind of stuff later in the evening. <laughs> and he came up he's was like, oh, Dan, you've been great today. How many pictures do you think you took today? And I was like, man, what a great day too, right? Absolutely such a great day. I took so many pictures, probably 10,000. There's got to be one good one in there. turned around and walked away. <laughs> <laughs> like I had a good relationship with him so I could joke with him about that stuff. But yeah, I love just little silly things like that. Anyway, last
0: one. Kylie asks, should you make and read your own vows or do the traditional repeated vows?
1: This is a really good question. If this question is for us to give you permission to write your own vows, for that to be something, first, have a conversation with your partner, make sure they want to do it, but yes, do it. I don't think you could ever go wrong by writing your own vows.
0: And just the flip side too, though, like if you're asking that question for us to have permission to say, no, traditional repeated vows are just as special. We will also say that too.
1: Yeah, that's where I was going to go with myself. I was born, raised Catholic, and we got married in a Catholic church. And even though I'm not super in on it now, I still wanted that. Like, you know, my wife when the door were open in the back of the church, we had trumpet voluntary playing with a real trumpeter, and she had a cathedral length veil with a blusher on, and so it was hyper traditional for me, not being a super traditionalist, but. I wanted the repeated vows. Like we still picked the ones out, but yeah, the repeated vows were something that we really wanted. So whichever way you're being pulled to is good.
0: Yeah, I think on the whole, there's a lot of pressure around writing your own vows, making sure they're, perfect and they say everything, but they're also something that you need to say in front of your friends and your family and all of your wonderful guests. So for most people, they tend to fall on one side or the other, as far as what makes them feel more comfortable, but please know that if you don't write your own vows, your vows that you do that are the traditional repeated vows are still going to be just as special because it doesn't take away anything you've ever said to that person up until that point, or will say after that point. I think that's a really common question. I think it's also a little bit about knowing yourself and knowing how much you want to put onto your shoulders to make that really perfect. I do think it takes some time, though I've seen many a partner writing their vows just minutes before they've walked down the aisle.
1: Yeah, I have a funny story about that. This is one of the sweetest things I've ever seen. I did a wedding in Germany in 2013, Cody and Allison, and Allison is a lyricist. She reads a lot, and she has all these different quotes and everything, and so they got married at like the base of this castle in Heidelberg that was falling down, and all this stuff is beautiful. And she had these little book in front of her. They both wrote their vows in these little moleskin type books and it was beautiful and she had these long drawn out thoughtful vows and earlier that morning we had all gone on a hike and i saw cody doing his vows that morning i saw him writing i saw him sitting on a log just like constantly writing like they've been together since high school right so this is years they have back and forth so her main name is beers gets to the wedding day allison's reading her vows they're like beautiful, long, drawn out, thoughtful, bring in all these different lovey quotes and everything. And everybody's losing it. Cody's losing it. I'm losing it behind the camera. This crew of 12 people, they're all losing it. And Cody's like looking at his vows, looking at her, looking at his vows, looking at her. And it was so sweet. And he closed the book and pinched his nose because he was like holding it. And he just squeaked out a one sentence vow. And he said, you're always going to be my Beersy cat. And everybody lost it. (laughs) Everybody lost it. She lost it. And so there was something there, like it was completely impromptu. And I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, he gave her the actual vows later that he had written in the book. But he's like, I don't know, that felt right. And I asked her about it later. And she's like, I know what he wrote. But in the moment, that was right. And that was perfect. I love that. Yeah. So there's a lot of pressure around that. But sometimes just staying true to your history and keep it simple.
0: Yes. And talk about it beforehand. Talk about it with your partner about what feels good. Maybe like, hey, are you going to do something really long or really short? That would be really a helpful conversation to have in advance. Yeah. All right, friends. Thank you so much for sending in these questions. We love you all. Keep sending them in. And we're going to do another season end Q&A episode, just like we always do. So if you didn't get your question answered today, definitely hit us up at patreon.com slash P-A-R-O-I where you can join the Ringer Club and get all of your questions answered, including right here on the episode because some of these questions today were sent in by our amazing Ringer Club members and we knew that they were so good that we had to share them here. Awesome.
1: Love it. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Put A Ring On a podcast. Before we wrap up this episode, we just want to send some love and gratitude and hugs to all of our patrons in the Ringer Club. We would not be here without you. Thank you so much. You are the best.
0: Absolutely. And let's be real. Things are way easier when you have a solid support system who is going through it right alongside you. So please join the Ringer Club community today at patreon.com slash P-A-R-O-I. Just click the link in our show notes.
1: The Ringer Club is the best way to support the show and receive direct access to Danielle and I. Plus, you have an entire community of Ringers helping too on Facebook.
0: Membership is just 8 bucks a month, and we have a limited number of spots available at a lower monthly rate where you get all the same benefits.
1: Again, that's patreon.com slash P-A-R-O-I. Another way you can support the show is to rate, review, and subscribe in iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to us right now.
0: And don't forget to connect with us on Instagram, where you can catch some more tips, see Dan's amazing photos, and watch some of our behind-the-scenes shenanigans. Follow us at Put A Ring On It Podcast.
1: Okay, Ringers, remember, we're here to help you, but no matter whose advice you follow or what decisions you make, know that your wedding's going to be amazing.
0: Because you rock. Until next time, Ringers. Dad joke?
1: Dad joke. Did you hear what happened to the man who tried to catch the fog? No. He missed.
0: (laughs) That one took me a second.
1: (laughs) It's a smart one, that's why. Oh! I'm sorry, that was mean. It was mean. (laughs) Jerk.